Welcome again to the Mount Hope Podcast. My name is Brian. If we don't know each other, I am the pastor at Mount Hope's Belmont campus in Belmont, Massachusetts. The podcast you're about to hear is a sermon from our Vision Sunday, which was just this last Sunday. We talked about where we've been over the last year and where we think God is taking us. So we believe that God wants to do something really special through Mount Hope in both our Burlington and our Belmont campuses. And so we have a chance to talk about that in this sermon and to talk about how you can be a part of joining the vision and where God wants to take us. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you listen closely because I believe that God has something he wants to say to you. Listen, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were out doing something and so we left our kids home with a babysitter and we came back at the end of the night and we said, how did things go? And the sitter said to us, um, things went well. The only thing that happened was your son spilled his water on the keyboard of your laptop while he was watching a, a video. And uh, I cleaned it up, but then the laptop stayed on, and then it just shut off and it won't turn back on. So I said, oh, that's, that's it? That's all right. And so uh, we had occasion two days later to head towards uh, the Apple store closest to us to see if we could get this uh, resolved. And here's what happened. We walked into the mall, and we walked up to the Apple store, and I saw something that I never expected to see. The Apple store, which was already the coolest store in the entire mall, the best laid out store, the best design store, had one of those big barriers around it with a sign that said, closed for renovation, reopening in six months. And my wife and I looked at each other and we said to each other, why in the world would Apple close down this store and renovate it when it was already the best store in the entire mall? There's no other place we would want to spend time or be. It's It's the best laid out, the coolest store. It's always packed. Why would they shut this thing down and renovate the whole thing? A little bit later in the day, we went to the Apple store that's a little bit further down the road. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that Apple store had already been renovated. And we walked through the door, and I walked in, and immediately I knew why they were renovating the store at the mall. The new version was unbelievable. The old version wasn't bad. In fact, it was the best store in the mall, but the new version was unreal. The doors were almost like pearly white gates, and we walked in, and it was like laid out in gold and crystal sea, and there were video walls that I had never seen before, and all sorts of amazing things were happening in that store. And here's the reason why I think they do it. It's the same reason why your local Starbucks shuts down and renovates before it needs to as well. Because they know that while the mission is important to the company, the mission is important. You have to have the mission. And the mission doesn't change. I don't, full, I don't expect at all to walk into the Burlington Mall in a few months, walk into the Apple store and say to myself, man, Apple sells clothes now. What happened to all the computers? The mission will remain the same. But in order to maintain their customers, in order to gain a new following, they have to continually change the way they present the message. Continue to provide updates in the way they present the message. If they don't provide updates in the way they present the message, eventually, even though they have the exact same mission, people will start to drift away. 
last year for our 10th anniversary, Lori and I uh, went to, to Italy, and that's not a place we would normally go. That was a very special trip for us. And one of the things that we did, as if you've been to Europe or other places in the world, I'm sure you did, is we toured churches. And we walked through churches that seat thousands of people. But today they're just museums, just places to go to look at the artwork, places to go to admire uh, the masters uh, of art. You know, all the, all the Ninja Turtles are, are in there doing things. And, and so to see what had been done and to, and to admire it. And we live in a part of the country where the exact same thing is happening, don't we? Our churches maybe aren't ornate enough, many of them, to turn into museums, but many of the buildings, many of the church buildings in our area are just shells of what they once were. There used to be hundreds of people sitting in the pews. There used to be vibrant life happening in and around the building. There used to be the message of Jesus Christ being proclaimed and the gospel being shared. But today, it's not like that anymore. Maybe they're just empty. Maybe there's a handful of people that are gathering. But why is that happening? Why is it happening that our churches are shrinking and people are walking away? And what is it to say that it doesn't happen to us? How do we make sure that that doesn't happen to us in our context? Those are the kind of questions I want us to think about this morning as we talk about why God has us here and our vision for moving forward. There is something really significant to what we see um, certain companies doing. They don't change their mission. They don't change what they're doing, but they do change the way that they're presenting it because they know if the message is going to continue to be heard, that they need to change the way that they're presenting it. We have a much more important mission and a much more important message, I believe, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, than does Starbucks trying to bring people into a relationship with coffee or than does Apple trying to bring people into a relationship with technology. We have a far more significant message. And the question is, how are we going to communicate that message in a way that the people around us can hear it and understand it and choose whether or not to respond to it? I really believe that, the, that part of the reason, a big part of the reason, why we look at the town center in wherever town we live, and we see big old white or brick buildings that used to be full of people and now aren't, are primarily because of two reasons. I don't think the gospel has gone bad. I don't think the mission is, is, is done. I don't think the message is for a time in the past, and today it just doesn't really fit anymore. I think that by and large, we as as the church have either, one, forgotten what our mission is, or two, we've stopped communicating it in a way that our world has an opportunity to respond. We're kind of like our churches turn into Radio Shack pretty quick, where we sell technology, but we stop updating, and we stop moving forward, and people eventually move on. And so this morning, I just want us to think about this as we talk about vision. One thing I want us to do is I want us to celebrate what God has done among us and is doing among us. But the other thing I want us to do is I want us to think seriously this morning 
about what the mission is that God's called us to and how we are going to move forward in proclaiming that mission and accomplishing that mission in a way that the culture around us can see and hear and decide whether or not they want to follow. So what is our mission? What is our mission as a church? I want to share that with you. Maybe you've been here a long time and you've heard this a million times. It's still good to remind ourselves. Uh, Maybe you're walking in here for the first time. I'm glad that you're here because you're going to find out exactly what we're about and exactly why we're in this place. Here's our mission. Here's why we're here. The statement is pretty simple. We're leading people into something far more important than religion, a living relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist at Mount Hope. If you were to ask us at Mount Hope why we exist in one sentence, it's this. We're leading people into something far more important than religion, a living relationship with Jesus Christ. This sentence was first said, uh, I first heard this sentence probably about 14 or 15 years ago by the former senior pastor of this church, Pastor Bob Crosby. And when he said it, it made total sense to me, especially for this part of the country, especially for the culture in which we're in. Because if you tell somebody you go to church, uh, chances are they don't go to church. Your coworker, your friend, your neighbor, they don't go to church. And you say, I go to church, and I go almost every Sunday. They're going to say to themselves, wow. Or they may say to you, you are really religious. That's the word they'll use. You're really religious. You're really serious about this thing. When I was going to seminary, Uh, I worked uh, overnight in a factory-type situation. We were loading trucks, and all my coworkers couldn't believe how religious I was, a young person going to school to become a pastor, uh, and they didn't even know what that that was, pastor. They knew what a priest was, had no idea what a pastor was. And I usually just say, just look at the show Seventh Heaven, that's kind of it, all right? And so... uh, No one could really understand that, but they thought that I was really religious. But we don't see it that way. Religion is something that's static. Religion is something that's that's about following the, the set of rules and nothing else. A relationship is dynamic. A relationship is growing and changing. A relationship involves God moving in the present and his Holy Spirit being living and active within us. And that's what we're here to do at Mount Hope. We're not here to get everyone to follow a religion. We're here to invite people to grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus Christ. The question is, how do we accomplish that? How do we do that? What does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? What does it look like, and the the word that we would use, the church word we would use, is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? We use that term disciple a lot, don't we? Think about the 12 disciples. We tell people they should be disciples of Jesus. Do you know how many times Jesus used the word disciple? Jesus only uses the word disciple three times. And in those three places, Jesus himself says what it looks like for someone to be his disciple. All three of them take, occur in a book called the Gospel of John. It's a, John, a man named John, a disciple of Jesus named John, his account of the life of Jesus. And in that book, there are three places where Jesus says, if you are my disciple, this is what your life will look like. And so for us, when we think about how we're going to accomplish this relationship piece, how we're going to help people to live it out, it's those three verses that we look to to see what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to share those with you this morning. The first one is in John chapter 8. 
John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. This is what Jesus says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my, what does he say? Disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And so what Jesus says is if you are my disciple, you'll know what this book says. You'll know what I say, and you'll live in this. And the word that we use for that here at Mount Hope is learn. When you, saw, when you walk in the front door there, you see that chalkboard design right in front of you, and these words are right there. And the first word we use is learn, because this is what I believe Jesus is talking about. If you are my disciple, if you have a relationship with me, you will learn what I say. You'll learn what it is that I want you to do, and then you'll abide in that. You will live in that. The second place that Jesus talks about what a disciple is, is in John chapter 13. And this is what he says in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my what? Say it loud. Disciples. Disciples, If you have love for one another. So what Jesus says, if you're my disciples, then you'll love each other. You'll show love to one another. And so that's the word that we use, that we are here at Mount Hope to lead people into a living uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And to do that, we learn about God and we grow in our love for God and others. The last place that Jesus uses this word, disciple, is in Matthew, is in John chapter 15, verse 8. And this is what he says. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When Jesus uses that phrase, bear much fruit, he's talking about the way that we live. He's talking about when we walk out of the door, how does our life look? How are we living? Do we, we've learned the word, and we've learned to love God, and we've learned to love other people's people, but does our life reflect that truth? Does the way that we live bear that out? We're not following the rules because we think that's going to get us on God's good side. We're living the life that God calls us to live out of the love that we have for him and the grace that we've received from him. And so those are the words that we use. When you see those words on the slides, uh, on the screens on Sunday mornings, when you walk in the building and you see those words on that wall in front of you, that's why those words are there. That's why we pick the words learn, love, and live, because they relate directly back to what Jesus says people will look like if they are his disciples. And so we're here to lead people into something far more important than religion, a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And we do it by gathering together to learn about God, grow in our love for him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by our faith. That's why we're here. The thing that I really want us to talk about this morning is how we take that gospel message, how we take that truth, and communicate it to those who need to hear. There's something that really bothers me, something that I, that I struggle with, something that I think that God puts inside of me 
uh, to motivate me a little bit sometimes. I don't know if you have those things. You know, I think of Sylvia here who started a home for single women and children and had over a thousand women come through. If you don't know that story, you need to hear that story. You were bothered by this situation and God put that in your heart. And so you went and did something about it and you still are doing it. You know, God puts those things in our hearts. There's something that really bothers me uh, that I want to share with you this morning because I think it's really key to where I believe that God wants us to go as a church. And I'm going to share this with you this morning, and I'm going to kind of put my heart out there and put myself out there, and I'm going to invite you to join me, to join us as we move forward in this. And I hope you'll at least prayerfully consider it. The gospel is real, and the gospel is powerful. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And salvation exists in no other name than the name of Jesus. I believe that 100%. For some reason, we are not doing a good job as a church, and I mean the church in general. Mount Hope is a part of the church in general. In communicating this message to a group of people who need it the most. We talked about this last week. If you were here as a part of our Ancient, uh, Ancient Families Modern Problems sermon series, last week we talked about some of the younger generation. And I mentioned last week that churches have a giant gap. And that gap exists from about age 15 to 16, where kids who grow up in the church kind of go and start doing their own thing. And if they come back, only a small percentage of them ever come back. If they come back, they come back in their 30s once they have children, and it's more maybe culturally acceptable to show up to church, or they're coming back because they feel like our kids really need some God stuff in their life. So we'll go back and get them some God stuff. Meanwhile, what you have is this huge spectrum of people, young people, influencers, changers, the people who are starting companies, the people who are getting degrees, the people who are going to change our culture over the next few years and are already changing our culture, the people who are inhabiting all sorts of social media being missed by this gospel message that is true and they so desperately need. And here's where my heart is on this. I want to make sure I want to make sure that in ministry and in the life of the church, we are doing everything we possibly can to get the message of the good news of Jesus Christ out to that group of people that the church is missing in a way that they can at least hear it and have a chance to respond to it. And if people say no, they say no. But my fear is that we're not even saying the message in a way and communicating the message in the way that it even has a chance of being heard. And that bothers me. It bothers me that I was a youth pastor and did youth ministry with my wife for so many years. And there's only a small percentage of those kids now in their 20s that are still following Jesus Christ with their life and into church. That bothers me. It bothers me that Bentley College is less than a mile away. It bothers me that there's so many young professionals that live in such a, a range around our building and where we are. If you put together Waltham and Belmont and Cambridge and Watertown, hundreds of thousands of people that need to be reached with the gospel. And it's not like they're in a different church building in the morning. They're just nowhere. 
And the only question I have is, are we doing everything we can to get the message out in a way that it's able to be heard and understood? I look at something like Apple and I look at something like Starbucks and I say, listen, their message is way less important than ours, but man, do they understand how to get that message out there. And there's other companies, other companies that do, sell the exact same products that they sell and they're not nearly as good at getting the message out to people in a way that it can be heard and understood. And so how do we do that? Well, here's the thing. This morning... If you're waiting for me to solve this problem in a couple sentences, it ain't going to happen. So the question is, what do I believe God is calling us as a church? What steps is God calling us to take so that we can try to do this more effectively? That's the question I think we need to answer. Before we get there, I want to take a brief moment and just celebrate with you the things God has done over the past year. If you're not familiar with uh, our church, Justin said a little bit about it. We launched this thing in, on September 13th, 2015. So we're, I think, 20 months old, somewhere in that range. Old as a campus, this September will be around for two years. And God has done a lot in those couple of years. And so let me just tell you where we've been very quickly. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this, but I want us to appreciate what God has done over the last year and further. When we launched this campus, we had 55 people that came from Burlington on a launch team that said, that's our main campus we launched from, came from Burlington and said, we will help start the campus in Belmont. Today, about 140 people call this campus home. If we were to look through the list of people that attend here regularly, there's about 140, 150 people that regularly attend here, that they would call this their home church. And God has done a lot over the past uh, almost two years in bringing people into this place. There are many of you sitting in this room that I didn't know two years ago. I didn't know many of you a year ago. And it's wonderful to see what God has done. This is the other thing that's happened in the past year. Uh, last August and then again in November, we baptized 10 people, uh, which was great because the mission is moving forward. So people that just didn't make a decision for Jesus Christ, but people that were willing to be baptized publicly. And last August, we had a great, uh, a great time out in the Meanies backyard baptizing people who had made decisions to follow Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that again this summer. We're going to have a baptism service again this summer. Another thing that happened uh, this year as a part of the campus is we were involved in our community. I've said anytime this community gathers, we want to figure out a way to be there. And because thanks to you and because of your willingness to be a part of the community around us to try to build relationships so that we might be able to share the gospel, you have done a ton of work. People have put a ton of time and energy to the way the front of this building looks. Uh, we, had a, we had a number of you come out and help us at Town Day where we gave away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things uh, to people. We had a group of you that ran the Becca Peasy 5K on a Sunday morning. We took you out of church, and you were our short-term missions team for a Sunday morning out in the community of Belmont because people were getting together, and we had an opportunity to sponsor it and to be a part of what the community was doing. And if we're going to have our message heard, people need to know we care about them and care about the community. The only thing we've tried to do in the community this year uh, that we weren't allowed to participate in uh, was very ironically, and I just think this is kind of funny, uh, the Easter egg hunt. The town Easter egg hunt is uh, churches are not allowed to be a part of, uh, which is the height of irony, I guess. 
but we were not allowed to be a part of that. But the 5K, town day, things like that, we will always continue to be a part of those. The other thing that happened this year that I think is really significant is that the town food pantry moved into our basement. The Belmont food pantry uh, serves over 200 families, 200 unique families a month. And it's been around for almost 30 years. This is the first time the food pantry in Belmont has not been located in a town-owned building. And so here they are in our basement, and every month, uh, the people who are receiving food from the food pantry come through, but also every month, the board of directors from the food pantry is in our building doing work. The people who are volunteering at the food pantry are in our building doing work. The high school students and the middle school students who have to get volunteer hours in to graduate their classes are in our basement doing that work. When, a middle, when uh, middle schools, the middle school here in Belmont had a big food drive, all the middle school students and their teachers brought all the food up through this door into our basement and, and, and set it up in the food pantry. And so because of this, our town, our community is in this building. And some of you are doing an amazing job showing up when the food pantry is open just to be able to build relationships with the people who are in our community. I'm so grateful for what the things that Patty Sanderson does on Saturday mornings. Patty is here. Some of you join her sometimes. Every single time the food pantry serves with a table in the fellowship hall with cookies and apple cider or juice just to let the people who are doing the food pantry know we care about them and we love them. And so God has done a number of things this year, helping us move the mission forward. But what does he want us to do in this coming year? If I was to categorize everything that I think God wants us to do, and just stick with me for a moment here, over this next year, I would say that I think God is calling us as a church to create what I'm going to call irresistible spaces for people who are far from Jesus to be able to come and to hear what it is that he would have to say to them. And the question is, what do those irresistible spaces look like? Well, there's three of them. Three of them that I believe that God is calling us to do that would help us move forward. It's not going to solve the problem. We're not going to reach every last person. There are still going to be people far from God that we're going to have to work harder to reach. But I think that there are three things that we can do over this next year to move our mission forward. And here's the first irresistible space I'm going to ask you to think about creating with me. The first irresistible space I think that we're going to start over this next year that God's calling us to do is a second time for us to gather and worship. Now, you may say to me, Pastor Brian, there's an empty chair next to me, and uh, there's some more empty chairs up in the balcony, even though there's some balcony people up there. How are you doing? There's some empty chairs up there. I see some empty chairs around me. So why in the world would we need to start a second service? Two reasons. The first is, for the same reason that your local movie theater shows the same movie multiple times, even though the theater's never full every time they show it. If you offer more times, more people will come. That's just how it is. Listen, we learned this the hard way in our Burlington campus. We were, we, when we moved from two services down to one service because we felt like we didn't have enough to, people for, for two services, the room was packed every Sunday and 80 people left the church because we didn't offer a time they could attend. It wasn't 
harsh. It wasn't anger. When we stopped offering that second time, there was just about 70 or 80 people that couldn't attend anymore. That's one reason I think I want to, we, we need to do this. Here's the other reason. We need to start a second service that is intentionally focused on reaching people who are far from God. That may mean the, move, the music is louder. That may mean the room is darker. That may mean that the way the service flows is different from anything that you've ever experienced before. That's why it's a second opportunity to come because we'll still offer a first opportunity that you feel more comfortable with. But I am okay changing everything about the way things look and the way things sound as long as we never compromise the actual mission and the message. The gospel is the same. It will always be presented the same. But I believe that there are things we can do very intentionally in the way that we structure a time of worship together. The time that it meets, maybe even the day that it meets, and the way that it, the whole service is structured so that when someone walks in and they're in college or someone walks in and they're a young professional or someone walks in and they're newly married with kids, they walk in and they say, yes, this is a place that I want to be. The same way that they walk into Starbucks or the Apple store and say the exact same thing. And so I would ask you this morning, some of you are in this room and you're saying, yes, we need something like that. I'm looking for people who feel that way to say to me today and over the next couple of months, I want to be a part of that team. Launching a second service is going to be just like launching a new campus or a new church. We're going to need a team of people that will say, yes, we'll be a part of that experience. We'll do that with you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to tell me. Today or in the next couple weeks. The second thing that we need to do is we need to start and develop new groups. Listen, over the last year, we had some great groups start Lester and Joe Samuel have started a community group in their house that is growing, and it meets every other Friday night, and that's wonderful. Lifong Lee has taken over Coffee and Conversation, which meets the first Saturday of the month uh, here in the Fellowship Hall, and women gather every, every first Saturday of the month now, and that's been wonderful. Denise McClellan leads our prayer gathering that begins 9 a.m. every Sunday morning down in the Yellow Room, and that's been wonderful, but we need more places where those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ can gather together outside of Sunday morning to grow in our walk with God and to learn to love each other more deeply. The phrase that I like to use is we need to create more spaces where we can be the church and support each other and encourage one another in our walk with Jesus Christ. And so I'm looking for people who God would speak to and say, hey, in this coming year, I want you to begin and develop a group, whether that's in your home, one of our community groups that would meet in your house, or whether it's a, it's a group that would meet here at the church. We need more of those places for people to gather, more of those irresistible spaces where people want to be. And so... The irresistible spaces we're going to try to create in this next year, and I'm asking you to create with me a second worship service, more groups, new groups that will reach new people. And the third one, and you probably know this one's coming, is the facility that we're in right now. I don't know if you know this story, but I'm not going to go into it all. I have some nice videos you can watch if you want to hear it. 
In the last two and a half years, what's happened in this building is miraculous. The state that the building was in when we walked in to where it is today is unbelievable. And I, that is a huge reason why about 100 people gather here every Sunday morning for worship. Sometimes we complain that it's cold because we have this air condition that's like a, it's like a jet engine, this air condition. I don't know. I got to tell you, I am so happy we have that air conditioning in this building. If you had, some of you were in this place before without air conditioning, and if you ever felt this room, this is like a sauna. The ceiling looks like a sauna, and it works the exact same way. It would be 95 degrees in here right now if we didn't have this HVAC system. This building has come a long way, and it's just the reality. When you create a good space, people show up. It's exactly what Apple's doing. You create a good space, people show up. Let me tell you what happened. I went to that renovated Apple store. A couple days later, I told a friend. I said, have you seen the new renovated Apple store? He said to me, no, I haven't seen it yet. I said, you really need to see it. And he said, okay. I got a text two hours later on our way to the Apple store, okay? Then when I talked to them the day afterwards, they said, guess what? We went, we loved it, we told a friend, and we're bringing them tomorrow. That's what happens with irresistible space. When I talk to the leaders of the food pantry, the conversation I've had most often over the last few months is your kid's space looks amazing. Tell us what you're doing. And the only reason we're having that conversation is because we put up new wallpaper downstairs. When you change spaces, it just matters. It does. This building has come a long way, but I think that there are things that we can do over the coming year that will take us to a new level. So how much, Pastor? How much are you asking us to give? That's the big question, right? To do this. Here's what I'm asking. I'm believing that God over the next year into our building fund is going to provide $50,000 to do some work around this building. And here are the things that we're going to do. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to put new lights in this room. And you say, these lights work. I know they work. I know they work. Uh, but we can change the space very significantly in a way that increases and enhances worship and speaks to people far from God. And so one thing that we plan to do is we plan to do the lights. The other thing that we plan to do is we plan to continue to work on our fellowship hall space. It's a great space. There are things that we can do to improve it. If you look up at the ceiling, you'll notice that the old light fishers don't have covers. That's not because we didn't try to buy covers and cut them and fit them. It's because they don't make covers for those lights anymore. We need to continue to move forward in how we design our spaces. And the third thing that we'd like to do is, did you know that there's a nice big room above the fireplace room in the fellowship hall if you've been back there? You probably don't know it exists because for the first year and a half we've been meeting, we have a giant table blocking the entrance. Because if you go up there, it's a very resistible space. Okay? We'd love to create a new space uh, for young people and adults to meet above that room. That's what we'll do. Now, you may say to me, Pastor, that sounds a bit crazy. It's crazy to make that, to, for us to be able to give that kind of money. We're not a huge church. Let me tell you what God did this past year, okay? We came in this past year, and I looked at the deacons last summer. And the deacon said to me uh, and said to us, here's your budget number for, for the year. 
The budget number is every single month, $11,900 have to come in in tithes and offerings. And I looked back at the deacons and the board, and I, and I thought to myself, I don't know if I verbalized it or not, but I thought, you're crazy. Because we're not that big of a church. And just in tithes and offerings, so take out any money that's given to missions, take out any money that's given to the building, just in tithes and offerings, every month, $11,900 to be able to meet the demands of running a, a campus. I thought, there's no way that's going to happen. In the first eight months that we had gathered together, nine months, that had only happened one time. And the only reason that it had happened was because someone gave an unusually large gift in one month. We're two weeks away from the end of the year. And thanks to your faithfulness and God's work through you, we're going to make our budget this year. We said last year during our Vision Sunday, we said... Uh, we're, going to, we're going to try to take any money that's given into the building fund and we're going to try to pay down our debt. We did about $435,000 worth of renovations to this building even after all the volunteer labor and volunteer supplies. And we said, we're going to pay down our debt. We borrowed $116,000. All the rest was given up front, which was amazing and miraculous in its own story. On top of making our budget, that $11,900 a month in tithes and offerings, you gave and God worked through you to give over $20,000 so we could pay down our debt over $20,000 this year. And in addition to that, because God worked through you and because you were so generous, we were able to do things around this building that I never thought we were going to be able to do this year. And so very quickly, here are the things that we did this year. On top of making our budget, on top of paying down our debt, that money over and against our, over the top of our normal payments, we were able to redo our kids' space downstairs. And that made a huge difference to the way that that space looks. In addition, we were able to redo our balcony. I don't have a picture of what the balcony used to look like because we never thought that it was going to be something we were going to be able to get done this quickly. But because you were so generous, these people get to sit up there and live the dream up in the balcony, right? Because of your generosity. And the last thing we did is we were able to purchase the equipment to put our services online. Uh, where my wife, I'm sure, who's home with my son, who's not feeling too well, is watching. And others are able to watch. And so God can do this. If we're willing to buy into what the vision is for the church and where we're moving forward, and we only do this once a year, I'm not going to come back and preach this way again until next June. We do this once a year. Put it out there where we'd like to move in the next year and see what God does. God can do this. Let me tell you something else that's happened. We have this goal of $50,000. God's already provided $13,000 of that $50,000. So I'm asking you this morning, if you believe in this vision of trying to reach people who are far from God, not compromising the message, not changing the gospel, not changing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not changing any of that, but changing the things around it so that people can hear the truth of the gospel and make a decision whether or not they would respond, I'm asking you to consider joining us. This connection card that you get on Sunday mornings, the very bottom of it tears off. 
If you're visiting with us this morning, we're glad you're here. I know this is an interesting Sunday to be here. This isn't how it normally goes. But there's a space on the front for you to be able to give your name and your email. I'd love to send you a note this week just saying thanks for visiting. On the back, there's a spot for a prayer request that you're able to give us things you'd like us to pray about. But down below that, you can see that there's a spot for you to consider and respond to what we're talking about this morning. If this is going to happen where we're able to create irresistible spaces to reach people far from God and help those who are in a relationship with God grow with them, we need your help. We need to come together as the church and do the work of the church. And so we're looking for people who are passionate about starting a service that would intentionally be designed to reach younger people. We're looking for people who are excited about developing and creating groups and spaces where people who are already in a relationship with Jesus Christ can go and learn and grow deeper. And we're looking for people who understand the need to continue to update and improve facilities to reach people, to be willing to give to that building fund so that we can do that well. And I'm going to ask you as we close this morning just to take a moment and pray about that and consider and to check one of those boxes if you'd be so inclined and to respond. And I know that you're coming in this morning and may not have been prepared for that, so I'd invite you to take the card home too and think about this for a week or two and ask God what he might have you do. Listen, you may be here this morning and you may be saying to yourself, Ah, I knew it. I knew it. The church just likes money. The church is interested in money, and maybe Pastor Brian's car is getting old, and so he needs a new one. I will, we will always unashamedly ask you to give to two things at Mount Hope. One is to support our global outreach partners who are doing work around the world. And two is to support the vision of reaching people in our own backyard. We need to keep moving forward in those things. You might say, when is the game over? When does the game end? When is the mission complete? Well, here's the challenge. Uh, if the church ever says to themselves, we did it all, the mission's complete, that's exactly when the church starts to die and decline. Until Jesus Christ comes back, or until we go and meet him face to face, the game continues. This is not like a, a board game or the old Nintendo games where there's a clear finish line. This is much more like the computer strategy games of today, World of Warcraft, or, or like Pitfall on the old Atari, or maybe Cones of Dunshire, and if you get that reference, we should be friends. But, uh, but these games that never end, they just go on and on and on. That's the mission of the church. This isn't like Monopoly, where we come on a Sunday morning, we open up the board, we pull out all the pieces, we play the game, we put all the pieces back in, and then we're done for another week. This mission goes on and on until Christ comes back or until we go and meet him face to face. We continue to play the game. And so we always have to be moving forward, always asking God, what do you want us to do next? How can we be more intentional in presenting this gospel message in a way that makes sense to the world around us. They may say, no, thank you, but at least they've had a chance to hear. And my fear is that it's easy for us to come into our churches and continue to present the message in a way that we like to hear it, in a way that we understand it. I'd like to see us be missional in the way that we say it. 
I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we prepare to close this morning. And as I close, I'll just say this. Here's the deal I'll make with you. I promise you, if you will be willing to come along with us, do the work of the ministry, love one another the way Christ tells us to, create these new spaces, whether you're going to help start a new service, be in part of groups, or you're going to give to this fund, I promise you that Justin and I and the other leaders of this church will do everything that we can to prayerfully and by the power of the Holy Spirit preach the truth. We'll come in here and do everything by the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God in a way that feeds your soul, in a way that builds you up, in a way that equips you to go and do the work that God is calling you to do. But if we are to be effective to reach our community around us, we all have to be willing to do the work of the ministry together. To stand up and respond to what God is calling us to do, to be willing to move forward together. Our worship team is going to play for a few minutes, and if you want to, you have a chance there to fill out those cards. You also have a chance as the bucket comes by, if Mount Hope is your home church, to give of your regular tithes and offerings. And in a couple of minutes, those buckets will come down the row. If you have questions for me, I'm more than happy to talk to you. Let's pray together. God, I know your heart and your desire is to have a relationship with your people. Have a relationship with the people that you have created. It can only happen through Jesus Christ. Help us, God, as your servants. Help us as your followers. Help us as your disciples to be willing to do everything that you would call us to do so that others might hear the truth about who Jesus is and the hope that is available through him. God, in a culture that is increasingly antagonistic towards this message, would we be a people that do not compromise, but would we be a people that do everything that we can in order to make sure that the truth is heard? Will you lead us by your Holy Spirit? Pray in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for listening to this sermon from the Belmont campus of Mount Hope. If you live in the Belmont area, we'd love to have you join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you'd like to know more about Mount Hope Christian Center with campuses in Burlington and Belmont, Massachusetts, you can visit our website at www.mounthope.org.